Welcome to Don't Call Me a Guru, a social media strategy podcast featuring social media people. My name is Linda Huang, and I'm your host for this episode. Don't Call Me a Guru is part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. In today's episode, number 42, I'm excited to share excerpts from my conversation with Janie Yates, the president of Advertising Standards of Canada, during the March 2021 iMedia Digital Marketing Conference. Janie is a leader in the Canadian advertising industry with more than 30 years experience. The Ad Standards of Canada is a self-regulatory body that works to ensure the integrity and viability of advertising in this country. Over the years, it has become the official source for Canadian influencer disclosure guidelines. Now, regular listeners will know influencer marketing and ethics is a topic I'm extremely passionate about. So chatting with Jenny was a dream. Take a listen to some of the insights Jenny shared, lots of which were you heard it here first kind of material. When I joined uh, Ad Standards, I was looking at the types of complaints, and we have two areas. To build consumer trust, what we do is we um, ensure that we respond to all consumer complaints, and we look at them uh, compared to our code. And so when I joined um, in 2016, I started looking at some of the complaints. And by 2017, I thought, this is interesting because the complaints in the influencer area were not um, Canadians commenting about influencers. It was influencers complaining about other influencers or calling them out saying, you're not using disclosure. And so uh, I thought, well, that's interesting. And what I did was I brought together all of the key leaders in influencers to say, all right, what's going on? And uh, what should we do for you on behalf of the industry? And so it was a quite a lively year. But what we did was we brought in influencers as well as companies. And we talked about creating a form of guidelines. And so our role is to look at whenever we get a complaint, that it is then looked at to the code to make sure that there is disclosure in influencer guidelines. And what was great was the People who are competitors were in a room and they together said, these are the reasonable things that I think that we should be doing in conjunction with the actual guidelines that are there by the Competition Bureau. One of my questions, well, first of all, if you guys haven't tweeted this yet, how interesting is it that the influencer marketing guidelines of Canada were developed because influencers were tattling on other influencers? That's that's so interesting to me. (laughs) But what happens if people aren't disclosing correctly, what happens if they do get a complaint, what's kind of the process for, you know, fines or, or, or what, you know, what is it? What does anything happen? Being self-regulatory, we do not um, give fines, but my analogy would be when you're driving and uh, law enforcement stops you and says you're speeding, if your answer is, I didn't know that there was a speed limit, or I didn't know how fast I was going, you might be able to get away with that once. Uh, but if that same uh, law enforcement catches you a second time, you're, not, you're probably not just going to get a warning. You're probably going to get a fine. And so what, the reason why I'm using that as an analogy is um, it is important if you're working in the influencer world to make sure you understand the guidelines because we would say you need to... Um, adhere to using the um, disclosure. Competition Bureau would say, no, you. this is the law. Uh, and so it is actually, if you go into and in the, the slides that I've given you have the 
links to the Competition Bureau and our guidelines are in conjunction with that. So it is the law that you need to disclose any kind of material connection. And that means it could be a free ticket. It could mean uh, it could be you're being paid for that for this sponsorship, whatever it is, but any type of material connection. So it's not just us, it's following the Competition Bureau. And we recently just did a presentation with the Competition Bureau and our guidelines are then referred to by the Competition Bureau too, which is great. What do you wish, Jenny, that advertisers or companies that, that do work with or, or will work with, what are the absolutes that they must know before they get started? What's you know, what's your message even to influencers? Or do you have pet peeves? I have a lot of pet peeves about influencer marketing. I'm curious to know what yours are. <laughs> well, it's interesting. This last year of COVID soup has really wonderful for the influencers because what are we doing? We're not outside as much, we're inside. And so um, people have spent a lot more time in with a digital shift and influences have really had a strengthening influence on things. And so uh, when you are living in a world of uh, change and a lot of anxiety, what you do is you go to the influencers that you trust and you follow and they're in their home and you're in your home. And so there's that connection. And so I have seen a lot of the dollars being shifted into the digital as well as into the influencer area. So I think it's been a great opportunity. And the minimum that any influencer needs to know is you need to disclose. So that could be as simple as hashtag ad. And some of the complaints that I've had is, could you just make it easier? Is it always gonna be hashtag ad? And it's not prescriptive. We've done that purposely because Linda, you know at this, that when you are working in partnership, you might not wanna say it's a hashtag ad. It might be in partnership with, or I did this with. And so we wanted to make sure that it was flexible for people, but you do have to put the hashtag ad or whatever. In my world, what I would love to do is, I know this is probably not realistic, but would it not be great to have some form of emoji so that the minute people see it, they know that it is an influencer ad that's been sponsored? Like we do for um, ad choices for uh, privacy, when you see that triangle, people know immediately that uh, there are guidelines for privacy. So that type of thing, because I realize that it's always a matter of space and hashtag ad is the smallest thing and having a longer sentence. But you want to make sure that it is upfront if it's in the audio, um, you know, depending upon what you're doing, if it's in uh, Twitch or Fleets or whatever it is you're using, you need to make sure that it is upfront and not hidden in a whole series of hashtags. Can you share some trends that you're seeing or changes that might be coming uh, based on based on what you've seen through Ad Standards Canada? Each time we bring in a new platform, say for its clubhouse or something, that we might have to have some different example that how to apply the disclosure. So that is something that we're doing on a regular basis and our influencer group um, give us different examples. And that's the one we just did with TikTok and uh and sorry, but we now have fleets and all the other things that we have to add in. So we're going to be continually doing that. As I mentioned, uh, we are one of 50 countries that have uh, self-regulation. Yesterday, um, at an ungodly hour of 5 a.m. in the morning because of international hours, uh, I was on a call with uh, my colleagues 
And I was asking them, what are some of the trends that are going on in Europe and, uh, and Brazil in particular uh, spoke up? And they said, there's two areas that are a heads up. One is um, children and not kidfluencers. Uh, it would be, Linda, if you um, want to put puppies in children because you want to increase your, uh, your likes and you want to put everything that's cute and you decided to use a child um, some of the other countries aren't necessarily um, doing it in a respectful way because they're trying to get um, some humor out of it. So it might be a little child without a diaper on or something. And so they're trying to put some uh, guidelines around that. And luckily in Canada, we are very careful, and particularly with any union um, involved. But so children, um, we need to protect them and not use them as props. Uh, and the other thing is there are some... Uh, concerns in Europe about inauthentic uh, posts about competitors. So advertisers are hiring agencies to get influencers to start community discussions on a topic, let's say it's dog food, and the topic of dog food, and then you would have a sponsored post on your community hub saying, you know, don't use X because I've heard that it hurts animals. So those are the kinds of things that we will always pay attention to and it was just a heads up and we're usually ahead of the game in fact we were one of the first countries to come up with self-regulatory guidelines in influences because I have it's something it's uh, of interest to me I think it is the future and the level of sophistication when it comes to influencers just think over the last three years Linda think of what you've been doing where we were three years ago to now and it is now considered a, a viable marketing mix, it's important. And so with all those things comes a level of sophistication. And, um, I've been telling people, I think as of last year, Stats Canada had included influencer as one of the options that you could select as your job uh, in their survey and reporting. Paige wants to know, have you ever dealt with improper disclosure related to MLM marketing on social media? You know, even if you're working, like, what's the difference between working for the company and being an influencer for the company? There is a uh, well-known case where there was a telecom group that was having their own employees post, and they did not disclose that they were uh, employees, and um, the telecom company got absolutely fined. So multi-level marketing, that kind of thing, there is a connection. And so you could look at it as affiliate marketing. You could think about it as refer friend, whatever it is, there is a connection. And so it's very important to have disclosure there. And uh, it's interesting. We did some recent research about um, disclosures, particularly when it starts getting into the newer forms of uh, funding um, for that. And it's very important to disclose because that's no different than anything else is that you might be getting a, a referral um, amount, whatever it is, but MLN is the same as anything else. So you have to disclose. And now we'll take a short break to hear from this episode's sponsors. This episode of Don't Call Me A Guru is brought to you by Career Essentials, a new podcast from techlifetoday.ca and Nate. Career Essentials offers real-world advice and insight into different careers and career paths. It features the stories and experiences of Nate alumni with lessons for everyone. 
Discover perspectives, tools, and tips essential to career growth and success, no matter what stage you're at in your career journey. A recent episode you might find interesting features Jennifer Stang, who explains why she switched from a planned career in medicine to baking and owning Edmonton's La Boule Patisserie and Bakery. She also shares how to recognize that maybe you're on the wrong career path and why you shouldn't ignore those signs. Find Career Essentials on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find it at techlife.ca slash podcast. So down in the United States, there's a union there. Can you share um, what's sort of happening in the U.S. as as it relates to influencers, content creators? To me, this is very exciting. The SAG-AFTRA, which is the Union of Actors in the States, has just created a division for influencers, which means... They're seeing where the money is going. Um, There is uh, advertising funds that are going into the digital area, going into influencer. And so as uh, independent as you are a freelance, however you want to define it, um, you don't necessarily have benefits and you don't have a pension. And so the union has created an area for influencers because they're recognizing that this is the future. And so by creating a... um, uh, a foundation for influencers, they can become part of a union so that they have all the backup and the um, safety that you would have if you were working in a company. And so then the next question I'm going to say is, what about Canada? Um, the ACTRA, which is the union in Canada, is negotiating their contract this year with the industry. And um, I would say it probably is going to be on their topic as well, which to me really is a milestone for looking at the credibility of influencers and the future of it as a marketing mix. Yeah, I think that's so that's so exciting. And I think something like a union for influencers in Canada would help with that lack of education or I think maybe misinformation about what influencers do and and to what you said adding to that credibility so I think that's really exciting that's a tweetable thing people (laughs) you heard it here first and you know you're asking me a pet peeve and I do have one um I just thought of it I have heard so many people say to me you know influencer and disclosure it's like the wild west and that is my pet peeve it's not the Wild West and it's not Alberta's fault. And they have guidelines in Alberta just as much as they do in Toronto and Ontario. Um, but it isn't the Wild West. So anyone who says that um, is willfully ignoring the fact that we have guidelines. And so it is our responsibility as our industry to make sure that people understand it and um, say that they're, it is not Wild West. Because what that does is it diminishes what influencers are doing as a marketing mix. And it is a business and it has rules and regulations. And uh, it also builds credibility for the advertiser to know that when you sign a contract, Linda, I mean, here's a question for you. When you sign a contract, it's very clear how many posts you're going to be doing, what time you're going to be doing it, looking at all those things. So those are uh, legitimate and um, important aspects to think about. So when you look at something, it's not the Wild West. There are contracts. um, And the more and more advertisers use this, they will be going through companies or through influencers. And you know you want a contract to protect you as well as your brand. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. And I mean, I'll, I'll say that I have used the Wild West terminology before. I think not in that there aren't 
guidelines or rules. I think just in that sort of describing that I like there's such a range, I think, of professionalism or there's a range of education that people don't have. I like your thoughts on that. And I'm going to rejig even my own use of Wild West moving forward. Something I am seeing of and if you you know if the viewers today are planning on doing more influencer marketing something you should be incorporating into your you know your asks your emails your contracts um is that more companies are telling me now when they reach out to me is that if you did not have a good you know a good service good experience with our product um then we can like end the relationship you don't have to post about us you shouldn't have to lie which i wouldn't have done uh, but i would say in the many years that i've been doing this only in the last year and a bit is the first time companies are actually proactively telling me that my experience should be genuine uh, which i think speaks to okay they're you know we're understanding the rules and the ethics and the guidelines now or better understanding it using that word genuine um that is one of the things that um to me is an indication that uh influencers have now gone to the next level of, of marketing is that you're seeing some influencers uh, for trending called genuine influencers meaning they're using influencers for topics that are not necessarily just social, but about vaccines, about the things that are um, a little more serious. And so by using influencers, they are then having their own brand and the influencer talk about something that is more, not more substantive, just a little more serious. The group that you used um, across Canada to kind of help come up with the influencer guidelines, does that include influencers and are there plans in the future for or has ad standards, you know, talk directly to influencers as well to help formulate um, and shape these guidelines that you're sharing? Yes, is the short answer. And uh, whenever I do back, think back a year ago when we actually did conferences in person. I would do a panel and I would always have on the panel an influencer company, their client and their influencer because you need to hear the full uh, 360 of the conversation. And so, yes, because otherwise I would be talking to myself. Um, I don't live in the influencer world. And so for us, who are we to create guidelines we need to do it from the input from the industry. And so that's very important to have um, all of the voices coming through to make sure that when we come up with something for the industry, that everyone kind of goes, yeah, that makes sense. And now we'll take one more quick break to hear from this episode's sponsors. This episode of Don't Call Me a Guru is sponsored by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities, creating strong, vibrant communities for generations to come. Start an endowment fund yourself or with a group, and once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on millennials. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. Janice's question, she says, I notice morning news shows often do not disclose sponsored segments. What's the deal? How is this different than advertorials or sponsored influencer content? And I would just add to that is that something that bugged me for a long time is now with that rise of social media influencer, um, 
being invited to all of these like media events or, you know, grand openings. And then you find out that media people have been invited to this for years and have never disclosed. <laughs> and then now suddenly they're like head to head with social media people who are disclosing, but then media people are still not disclosing. So yeah. So, so I'm curious, Jenny, like, like media should also be following these, these, these disclosure guidelines, correct? Um, uh, yes. And this is one of the pet peeves of a lot of influencer companies. If we're doing the right thing, we, meaning influencers, we're doing the right things, then why isn't it? It's because it has been, it's looked at programming and content. Uh, but now you're, you're seeing more and more um, that when something is sponsored, say, for example, it's a cup of coffee and the um, morning show has got a name on the coffee mug. There are certain protocols that have just been in place for so long that it's a given, but it doesn't mean that it shouldn't be. Or at the end, they'll say clothes are sponsored by so-and-so. Um, there often is disclosure, but it's not necessarily linked directly to it. But the idea is that if it's video and it's in a, uh, I'm not justifying this, but if it's a, a coffee cup and it has a name of a brand, that that is sufficient that people understand, like commercials, that um, they're paid for. I'm going to ask you Jarrett's question. Um, do you think that there's a level of risk with influencer marketing in the fact that bad pub publicity that the influencer gets might reflect poorly on the business, even if the bad publicity is unrelated? Great question. So you partner with someone and then the next day turns out that this person has been, you know, operating some shady thing. And then now you're tied to this company. Uh, Cons, I guess, is that something that has to be weighed if you're considering working with an influencer? It's no different than any other uh, media they'd be using in advertising. Think about what happens with celebrities. Um, they could be the celebrity of choice one day and then the next day um, they've got, you know, Me Too issue or something. Um, so this is something that you do that the um, influencer company will look into and um, that's why you have to match an um, influencer with the brand because there has to be some connection. There has to be something that is authentic because Linda, for example, is not going to start talking about something that is completely outside of her wheelhouse if it doesn't fit. And so that's part of the thing. And yeah, things do happen. Um, and so, yes, you could have an influence like you could have a celebrity. You could have an actor. You could have an actor in a spot. And then all of a sudden the next day something comes up. Well, then that's why you just be honest. You disclose and you move on. And, and we all have mistakes. Things change. It's how you deal with it. And I think that's the most important thing is to be transparent and move on from there and not try ever to hide something like that. I would even add to that, Jared. I think that goes uh, that's on the marketing company or the agency as well to really do their research on who you decide you want to work with and to really know like, OK, like we really love this person's personality and, you know, we've been watching their posts for a month or two months or whatever it might be. And, you know, I think we're not going to have any issues, but I feel like there's also in the influencer uh, marketing industry, there is this lack of time to do your research. It's kind of like you get dropped. We want to work with influencers and then suddenly you have to find someone. Um, so I feel like don't miss um, that research phase, that identification phase, and put time and effort into figuring out, is this the person that we want aligned with our brand? You know, and an example of that in other meetings, I will anticipate that as influencers become more uh, of a stable within the marketing mix, if you have an actor through ACTRA, 
you in your contract say that you cannot actually do a spot for a com com uh, competitor within an X amount of time. And so that is the kind of thing that you look into their background, you have that in, and uh, if they were, you know, influenced with part of Actra, that would be one of the things that they would make sure is that you're covered and that you've got a background in that. So that's one of the other advantages. But the most important thing is to um, just um, be transparent. Pro influence communion <laughs> over here. <laughs> yes, well, I mean, I'm just pro influencers. Period, because I think it's such an interesting um, new dynamic, nascent uh, marketing mix, and we're always looking at things from a digital standpoint and it's much more agile than it would be for other and everything is not an either or it's adding it into the complement of marketing uh so nevada wants to know another um instance is that someone organically posts a great review then after the fact might receive a gift and then after that, you see this person posting, you know, more frequently or more positively for this brand. So when that transaction has taken place, does it become an influencer relationship and then now requires disclosure, but previously it didn't? And I'll just add to this. Sometimes, Jenny, this has happened to me and I've had like ethical dilemma <laughs> is I'll go to a restaurant full intention to pay for my meal then they will pay for the meal. But I didn't want them to do that. <laughs> and I was just, I wanted to post about them organically. So now do I have to say, well, they paid for my meal? You already know the answer. <laughs> Nevada, I think you do too. You have to disclose afterwards. So it could start organically. But the point is, the advertiser is seeing you as, a, as the person who's posted organically as a potential nano influencer. So at that point, the person has a choice and say, hey, why not? Um, and Linda, if you had a meal paid for it, then that would be a conversation you'd say to them, I'd really like to do an organic post, but by paying, you have just um, limited my way of which doing that as a genuine post. So those are the business decisions that you could that you have to decide. And uh, I know that for advertisers, um, they're always looking at that. And think, think about experiential advertising. This was like before influencers. It was the same kind of thing. If you had someone standing at the corner offering you products for you to try, I mean, that was a thing that was a way in which you could actually be experience the product directly. This, in a way, is a virtual experiential through influencers. Think of it from that standpoint. Final question, Jenny. Thank you for all of these insights that you're sharing. Um, what, you know, have you, have, is there something that you've wanted to say that, you, that we haven't had a chance to cover yet? What sort of next, what do you think is next for influencer marketing? I would say it's funny, This, as you can see, the sun is starting to move. So it's a good thing we're about to finish because I'd be in the sun. I don't have curtains on this window. Um, the I would say that as uh, we're working on behalf of the industry. And so to me, challenge us. Um, and we're always interested in that because in any kind of challenge is a, a, is a kernel or a thought. And so it's often the friction that creates some new ideas out of this. So as I threw out, I'd love to have an emoji so that we didn't have to discuss the hashtag ad. And, you know, that was a, one of the discussions. Is it a red herring that they want to take the hashtag off because the algorithms were then starting to diminish the posts? The, all of these kinds of conversations in there is a kernel of truth. And so what I would say is let's keep the conversation going. Um, help us communicate what the guidelines are 
And anything that we can do on your behalf, that would be great because I love this topic. And thank you for inviting me to talk about it because as you can see, I too am passionate about it. As this industry proceeds and grows, I think hopefully we're going to see more conversations with the platforms um, as well. The platforms working with ad standards or the platforms working with the FTC or, or the competition bureau to make sure that everyone is on the same page. Thank you to Jani for sharing her insights with me during this iMedia session. Thank you to Morgan and iMedia for allowing me to share some clips from this session through this podcast. And also, congrats to iMedia on their rebrand. At the March 2021 iMedia conference, the iMedia brand was retired and Takeaway was launched. Takeaway is an educational community that provides meaningful and actionable education for the doers in digital communications. Visit the Takeaway website to sign up for updates and connect with them on social media at It's Your Takeaway to find your next takeaway. Their website is itsyourtakeaway.com and they'll also be launching their own digital marketing podcast soon as well. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Don't Call Me a Guru and stay tuned for another episode next month.